Welcome to Better Animal Handling, Chapter 4, Episode 29. From the center of Missouri, USA, I'm C.B. Chastain, your guide to better animal handling, and Abby, my cattle dog and critical co-host. Say hi, Abby. Our goals are to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals from Chihuahuas to Clydesdales act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's episode is on basic equipment for handling dogs. Our topics for this week are leashes, including slip leashes, snap leashes, and retractable leashes, collars, including flat and rolled collars, choke or attention collars, martingale and prong collars, chest harnesses, towels and blankets, tables and table covers, muzzles, including commercial muzzles, gauze muzzles, and makeshift muzzles. When handling a dog other than the handler's personal pet, a slip leash is the most useful equipment. All dogs and cats in a veterinary clinic or boarding kennel should have a slip leash on when taken outside of a cage or a kennel. All dogs taken outside of the building without a secondary barrier to escape, such as a fence, should have a chest harness with an attached leash. A slip leash is a rope, cord, or flat woven strap with a metal ring Honda or a tied Honda knot used for routine handling of dogs. Flat strap slip leashes should not be used due to their inability to maintain an open loop when being placed over the dog's head and neck. A slip leash serves as a sliding collar and a lead rope in one piece. It can be tightened when needed to gain the dog's attention and released to reward proper responses. It also provides greater security against escape than a fixed collar and a snap leash. Handlers traditionally stand or walk with the dog on the handler's left side. For the slip leash to loosen when desired properly, the Honda end of the leash should go clockwise around the dog's neck. This will orient the Honda end of the leash pointing upward on the side of the dog's neck. This allows the neck loop to loosen when tension is released on the leash. The handler should not stand in front of and extend his hand toward the dog to place the slip leash. This posture is intimidating to dogs. When dealing with fractious dogs, a string should be tied around the leash's Honda. The slip leash can then be loosened by pulling on the string and removed without placing a hand near the dog's head. Slip leashes should not be used on dogs with breathing problems. If an alternative does not exist, the loop should be placed around the neck with one front leg through it to prevent pressure on the trachea. Dogs should never be tied and left unattended with a slip leash because either escape or strangulation may result. 
Slip leashes should not be wrapped around the muzzle and held in place by the ends to form a temporary muzzle. The neck loop could be too tight when the loops around the muzzle are made. Plus, a one-handed muzzle is much more effective and better tolerated. Snap leashes should be attached only to a choke collar, head collar, or chest harness. Attachment to a fixed buckle collar is not secure restraint to prevent escape since many dogs will back away while pulling on the collar and shaking their head. Training leashes are four to six feet long. A retractable leash is a snap band or cord leash that is 10 to 26 feet long and can be spring wound similar to the action of a retractable measuring tape. Retractable leashes offer minimal control of dogs and should be only used in open spaces. Abby says retractable leashes are great for tripping people walking nearby. It's like heading in healing events in a rodeo. Flat fabric or flat or rolled leather collars with a buckle or a plastic snap closure is used for identification purposes and for routine restraint of puppies or sensitive small dogs. Collars should allow two fingers to be easily slipped underneath or the collar is too tight. Leashes should not be attached to a flat or rolled collar for reliable restraint. Even if the collar is properly fitted, the dog might be able to back up, shake its head, and escape. Choke collars are similar to slip leashes. The term choke is a misnomer since the goal is not to choke the dog. A choke chain tightens quickly around the neck and releases quickly when tension is released on the attached leash. A more accurate name would have been an attention chain. Pulls should be on the side and not upwards, which may cause excessive compression around the neck. For the handler to be on the right side of the dog's body, the collar's loop should go clockwise around the dog's neck. If applied counterclockwise, the loop will not fully release when tension is removed on the attached leash. Dogs must continually walk on the same, traditionally the left side, of the handler. The chain will not be oriented correctly when on the other side of the handler. Choke collars should only be used for training purposes and when the dog is in a hand-held leash. Otherwise, there is risk of strangulation if tied or if the collar becomes caught on an object. Choke collars, as with any restraint equipment, can be misused and cause adversive behaviors. Unlike shock collars, choke collars are training tools that can deliver attention to the handler getting signals appropriate for the situations that may vary quickly. They are not intended to cause pain or injury. Used with proper discretion and timing, a choke collar can be a safe, useful communication tool between handlers and dogs and does not cause aversive behavior. Martingale collars are flat collars with rings at both ends and a chain that goes through each ring. The chain also has rings on each end. The size of the flat collar can be adjusted in size so that the extent of the squeeze on the neck when the leash is pulled can be modified. Unlike choke collars, martingale collars cannot be put on backwards. 
It will work the same if the dog changes from one side of the handler to the other. Since there are flat collars and the pressure delivered to the dog's neck from tension on the leash is less than a choke collar, martingale collars can be more easily ignored than choke collars by inattentive dogs. Thick-haired dogs may have sufficient hair padding on their neck to ignore the pressure of a basic martingale collar. Blended prongs can produce better responsiveness without causing injury. Martingale collars are also called limited slip collars because they are less likely to slip off if the dog pulls back on the collar and the leash. For this reason, they're often used on sight hounds, such as Afghans, which have narrow heads. Chest harnesses cannot strangle dogs and will not slip off if the dog pulls backward on a leash. All dogs without advanced leash or voice command training taken outside of a building or security enclosure, and all dogs being transported by a car should have a harness with an attached leash to prevent escape or strangulation if they escape. Vicious dogs may be more easily handled and tractable by wearing a harness with a leash that cannot be chewed in two, such as chain or heavy wire. Upon return of the dog to the cage, the harness is removed first and the leash is removed during the dog's return to the cage. The tower blanket that a dog is familiar with and has a dog's or the owner's scent on it can be comforting to a dog and reduce its fear when handled. Towels or blankets can be used to cover the dog's head to facilitate grasping the neck for head restraint. They can also be rolled into a bulky, soft collar to go around the neck for mild restraint of the head. An aggressive dog can be distracted with towels or blankets and allowed to bite them while the handler's other hand approaches from the rear to capture and restrain the dog. When using a towel or blanket over a dog's head, a scruff hold should not be attempted. It is safer and more effective to grasp both sides of the neck, a two-hands neck hold, just behind the ears with the thumbs on the back of the head and the fingers beneath the mandible. Tables that place a dog at the handler's waist height will eliminate the leaning position which is intimidating to dogs. A slick tabletop in addition to the height reduces most dogs' desire to escape. Tables with surfaces that provide traction can embolden some dogs to struggle to jump off that would not otherwise try. Slick tabletops are also easier to clean and disinfect and therefore best for general use. Some non-aggressive dogs may feel too insecure on a slick table and need a washable pad on the table that provides traction insulation and can be easily sanitized after use. Sanitation should never be compromised by using a table surface that provides traction and warmth but cannot be sanitized after each use. Whenever a dog is on a table, someone's hand or hands must always be on it to prevent it from trying to jump off. Grooming tables with a grooming arm, a table attachment for a leash, should have a neck loop and quick release to prevent strangulation if a dog jumps or falls off the table. Dogs should never be encouraged to jump onto or off of an exam or grooming table. Jumping off a table will encourage future attempts to jump. If steps or ramps are used to allow dogs to walk 
up onto tables. The surface of the steps or ramps should be skid-proof and easily sanitized. Tables with four corner legs are much more stable than a single pedestal table or scissored action variable height table. Pedestal tables should be bolted to the floor to prevent tipping with heavy dogs when the dog is not properly centered on the table. Evie says, tippy pedestal tables are great for practicing your surfboarding skills. Cowabunga! Although muzzles can provide a degree of safety from being bitten by a dog during handling, the use of muzzles on dogs can make dogs more fearful of handling. Muzzles can be dangerous to the dog when used on older dogs or dogs with respiratory or digestive problems. Muzzles should be used selectively and not as a standard policy. Muzzles will not prevent a handler from being injured by a dog. Dogs wearing a muzzle can cause painful injury by bruising the bones of the hands or face and attempting to bite the handler. Fortunately, dogs become more submissive and easy to handle if a muzzle is applied. Muzzles used between dogs can be a highly effective fomite which is an object that transmits disease. They can also cause injury to the dog when improperly used. Muzzles should be clean, sanitary, and smooth where it touches the dog's face. It should be determined that the fasteners work easily before attempting to use a muzzle. A muzzle should not impinge on the dog's eyes. The dog should not be allowed to paw at the muzzle as injury to the face or removal of the muzzle may occur. Styles are open-ended, also called sleeve, or basket muzzles. Open-ended muzzles are open at the end and keep the mouth from opening any further than to be able to lick. Panting or drinking water is not possible. Basket muzzles are closed on the end and allow the mouth to open. They're made of plastic or wire. Basket muzzles allow dogs to pant and drink water. Dogs that have recently vomited or have respiratory distress should not be muzzled. Brachycephalics, or short-nosed dogs, are better restrained by a rolled towel around the neck and behind the ears than by a muzzle. Dogs with open-ended muzzles cannot pant and therefore cannot cool their bodies if their mouth is held shut and they will overheat. If they vomit, the vomitus can be inhaled into the lungs and cause a fatal pneumonia. The muzzle should never be left on longer than necessary for handling and a dog should never be left unattended with an open-ended muzzle on. Commercial muzzles are strong, pre-shaped, and easy to apply and fasten. Their disadvantages are cost, difficulty in sanitizing, and the need for multiple sizes if many types or ages of dogs are being handled. Commercial muzzles are made of leather, wire, plastic, or nylon. Leather, plastic, and wire muzzles go on easier than nylon because non-fabric muzzles maintain their shape. Leather muzzles are fastened by buckles which are relatively slow to fasten. Cloth or fabric muzzles are often fastened by a belt snap 
which are faster than buckles, but can cause a snap noise near the dog's ear when fastened. Muzzles should be cleaned and, if possible, sanitized prior to each use. Plastic, nylon, and wire muzzles can be sanitized with common disinfectants. Leather muzzles cannot easily be sanitized. Untreated leather muzzles are porous and can trap microorganisms. Leather will also dry out and crack. Therefore, before their first use, leather muzzles should be treated with Neatsfoot oil or similar oil for leather treatment, dried and then rubbed with beeswax for leather treatment. This treatment will inhibit absorption of microorganisms and prevent rinsing and drying between each application of the muzzle. Regular retreatment of the leather with oil and wax is based on the frequency of use of the muzzle, but four times a year should be a minimum. A properly maintained leather muzzle will also become more pliable and comfortable for the animal. Tractable dogs or dogs that have been trained to accept a muzzle can be muzzled by one person with a commercial muzzle from behind. The muzzle straps are held in each hand with the muzzle below the dog's throat. The muzzle is then quickly and smoothly brought up and over the dog's muzzle. Approaching the dog from directly in front of its nose with a muzzle will cause most dogs to resist. If the dog is not trained to accept a muzzle, Commercial muzzles are best applied by two handlers. One handler should have the dog restrained in a sitting position or in sternal recumbency. The other handler approaches from the side or behind, holding the straps on each side of the dog's head and with the muzzle cuff below the dog's mouth, the cuff should be brought up in a smooth, rapid swooping motion over the muzzle and then pulled back. The straps are then fastened behind the head and below the ears. Putting treats in a muzzle to encourage acceptance can be dangerous to handlers holding the muzzle in a manner to invite exploration, dangerous to dogs that may inhale the treat, and unsanitary unless the muzzle is thoroughly cleaned and sanitized between each use. Another muzzle application method involves one handler holding the dog's head from behind with a handler's thumbs behind the dog's ears. The handler's palms restraining side movement of the neck and index and middle fingers between the jaws to keep the jaw from being lowered. If necessary, the hands may be partially protected by leather gloves or a towel. The other handler stands beside the dog and slips the muzzle over the dog's mouth and fastens it. Non-stretched two-inch gauze rolls can be used as a convenient, effective, inexpensive, and sanitary temporary muzzle. The advantages of gauze muzzles are that they are portable, disposable, inexpensive, soft, and non-injurious, and fits all size dogs. A roll of gauze can be easily carried in a pocket and is sanitary, since after a portion is used as a muzzle, that portion can be discarded. Stretchy gauze is not a safe restraint for the handler and should not be used. Disadvantages include more skill is required to apply the gauze muzzle and application is slower than with a commercial muzzle. Since gauze muzzles hold the mouth closed in the same manner as a commercial open-ended muzzle, gauze muzzles also have the same disadvantages of open-ended muzzles.
which are an inability to pant or drink. They can be inappropriately applied so tightly by unskilled handlers that they cause pain and injure the skin around the muzzle. Safer application of gauze muzzles require two handlers. One handler restrains the neck and jaw from behind with a two-hand head hold restraint, both hands on the neck, fingers below the jaws, and thumbs behind the ears. While gripping the head, the handler presses down on the dog's neck and shoulders with wrists and forearms to make it more difficult for the dog to lift the front leg and rake the facial area. The other handler, the one holding the muzzle, stands in front of the dog. When preparing to apply a gauze muzzle, the length of the gauze needed is the length of the handler's arm spread wide apart, about five feet, for small and medium-sized dogs and twice that distance for large dogs. More than enough length should be chosen because if the length is too short to tie and the effort is aborted, the dog will be taught that escape is possible. The handler's hands should not ever get closer than six inches to the dog's muzzle while applying the loops and pulling the ties down. The first loop is made with a double overhand knot. Put over the muzzle and pull down firmly with a knot on top of the muzzle. The double overhand knot will spread out the loop making it easier to get over the dog's muzzle and then pull down, and it will hold its place better while the second knot is being readied. Another loop is quickly made above the dog's nose with a simple overhand knot, flipped under the muzzle and pulled down below the dog's lower jaw. An overhand knot is then made behind the head and under the ears and tied with a slip knot. Or a bow knot. To remove the gauze muzzle, the handler's hands should not get closer than six inches from the dog's mouth. The head should be restrained by one handler from behind while the other handler unties the slip knot and then quickly pulls the muzzle in a straight line parallel to the dog's muzzle. The conical shape of the dog's jaws allow the muzzle to pull off easily without risk of being bitten trying to loosen the ties first. Emergency makeshift muzzles can be created from ties, shoelaces, cords, or long strips of any cloth. Now let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. Before any dog is removed from a cage or a run, it should have a slip leash applied. So-called Choke collars are not intended for choking a dog. It is to gather the dog's attention to the handler. Overuse or other inappropriate use of a muzzle can make a dog more fearful of being handled. Evie says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling is available in my book, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, published by CRC Press. It's also available on Amazon and from many other fine book supply sources. Don't forget, serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening. Abby and I hope you'll come back next week when I'll talk about walking dogs, lifting and carrying dogs, and placing dogs in cages and runs. Hey, Abby, 
Australian cattle dogs are also called Velcro dogs because they stick so closely to their human buddy. Is that why you follow me so closely? Oh, of course. You just want to make sure I don't spend your inheritance foolishly. Mm-hmm.